I want just to take a minute uh, to let you reflect for just a second on this past year and what God has done in your life. Where have you seen God at work? How have you been formed and transformed? If you're an internal processor, you might wanna write that down. If you're an external processor, you're going crazy right now, so maybe share that with the person next to you if you feel like you wanna do that. How has God been forming and transforming you this past year? How does that happen? How has it happened? As I was contemplating the passage we're gonna look at this morning, I was doing a little research, and I began to think about the day and time that we live in, and how impossible it seems sometimes to change someone else's mind. You ever try to change somebody else's mind? And I came across research by social scientists called my side bias, right? We, we begin to take these strong stances on these things we feel strongly about and, and our, our, our surrounding community feels the same way and we start to dig in our heels and when we get to this place, no amount of argument, no amount of, of research, no amount of scientific data can change our minds. We just begin to reinforce our own narrative. And we can hear other people who claim to be Jesus followers, other people who are Jesus followers, talk about Jesus, and sometimes we can start to wonder, do they serve the same Jesus I do? You hear them quote scripture and you go, that's not even what that's about. Have you had this experience? Here's one of the interesting things about this phenomenon is that when someone else's beliefs, when someone else's biases are, are poked, have holes poked in them, it's easy for us to see it in someone else. It's easy for me to see the inconsistencies in your beliefs. But the research shows that even if I can see your inconsistencies, most of the time, I can't see my own. Those biases that I tend to have that are reinforced by the people who are directly around me keep me safe. They keep me protected. They make me feel good about myself. And it doesn't matter our education level. It doesn't matter how much study we've done in logic 
when we begin to form these biases, they are ingrained. Another interesting piece of the phenomenon is if it's a complex issue, the less I know about it, the more I will argue with you. It's true. If it is a complex issue and I know very little about it, the less I know about it, the more I'm gonna argue with you to defend my position. Because the more I understand about it, the more I realize it's complex. And therefore I become less dogmatic about it. And we've all known someone with these biases. And as I was contemplating this story of Mary and Joseph and 12-year-old Jesus, I began to wonder how many of these my side biases we have in our own religiosity. How many of these religious biases do we carry with us that we're blind to that may not necessarily be the way of Jesus? Remember the story with me. Mary and Joseph, 12-year-old Jesus and all their family have come to Jerusalem for the Passover. They've been there, they've taken the time to celebrate and they're about to head home and they leave Jesus behind. Now, it's important to note that it says Jesus stayed behind. He consciously chose to stay. And before we judge Mary and Joseph too harshly, let me just get this out of the way. This isn't just like me and my immediate family jumping in the car after a family gathering and driving home. This is... If you, your extended family, and a bunch of friends have gathered here for the Christmas Eve service, you're all gonna go to one person's house afterwards. Everybody starts getting in the 10 cars you're gonna take. You get back to whoever's house and you realize someone was left at the church. This has happened. It happened to my brother when we were young. It happened to one of my kids. I took a kid home recently from church who this happened to him. It happens. And so... Let's let Mary and Joseph off the hook. They weren't negligent parents. But they are traveling back home with the assumption that Jesus is with them. And whether Luke intended for me to make this jump or not, I'm just gonna put this out there. I wonder how often we travel on our journey making the assumption that Jesus is going in the same direction I am. And that Jesus' way is my way. But they're traveling home. They realize Jesus isn't with them. They turn around and they start to head back to Jerusalem. They find Jesus where? In the temple. They come up to him and they say what a parent is prone to say. What are you doing? What in the world, what? Do you realize what you've put your father and I through? This is what Mary says to Jesus. Now, be careful, Mary. You're talking, you know, to the Christ child. <laughs> but it shows us a very human moment between Mary and Jesus, doesn't it? As Mary looks at him and says, do you realize what you've put your father and I through? And Jesus' response, I can't help but read it with, with what my grandparents who are from 
Eastern Tennessee would call sass. <laughs> Jesus says, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know? <laughs> now my grandparents would have said, boy. <laughs> Didn't you know that I needed to be about my father's business? That I needed to be in my father's house? This phrase uh, in the original language is translated different ways. You'll find it in your Bibles. It's either translated, I, I needed to be about my father's business or I should have been in my father's house. And almost every commentary I read, this is a lot of ink that is spilled about this, about this phrase. And the argument as to why they translate it the way they do, some fall off the log one way, some fall off the log the other way. And me being a good Wesleyan, I say, yes. Why is it not both? Is it possible that Jesus intended us for, to hear it both ways? Is it possible that Luke wrote it the way he did so that we would hear, I need to be about my father's business and I need to be in my father's house? We wanna separate the two, don't we? This is why as a church body, we strive to partner with God to do what? Make more and better disciples. Hopefully you know that phrase by now. If not, I'm telling you again. We wanna make more disciples. That is important to be about our father's business, to get out of this place and be at work in the community to make more disciples. But we also can't neglect the fact that we want to make better disciples. That if we're making the wrong types of disciples, we're serving the wrong God. Disciples of whom? Didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? We cannot have one without the other. We must have them both. But here's the interesting thing. One of the interesting points that struck me as I read this passage, he says this to his parents and Mary and Joseph look at him and they don't understand. They're confused. Luke makes a point to say that Mary and Joseph have gone to Jerusalem for the Passover each and every year. This is not new to them. They are making the three or more day pilgrimage each and every year to worship at the temple at Passover. Joseph and Mary have both been, been visited by angels and told who Jesus is going to be. They are not nominal followers of Yahweh. They are devout. They are religious. And yet Jesus speaks and it catches them off guard. They don't know what to do with it. I think sometimes we make the assumption that Jesus' words will never surprise us. There are times when we are the people who make our pilgrimage to the temple every year. We attend family camp and have for the last 50 years. We make the assumption that Jesus' words are never gonna surprise us. And yet when Jesus spoke, Mary and Joseph are both confused. 
If anyone should have known who who he was going to be, it's them. And yet they're surprised. Can I take a brief detour for just one second? Because there was another phrase that stood out to me. When Jesus responds with what I might have taken as sass, because let's be honest, even if my kid is right, let's say that one of my boys has stayed behind in Jerusalem. I return to get him. I ask him, what are you doing? And he gives me a little bit of that, don't you know? Even if I believe he's right, am I gonna admit that? No, maybe you're, you're probably a better parent than I am. But I might, we might go a couple rounds first and then maybe I'll admit that he was right. Notice what happens here. This has the potential to be a contentious conversation between Jesus and Mary. And when Jesus speaks his words, Mary and Joseph are confused. And what do each of them do? Mary does what? This is a theme with Mary in the book of Luke. She stores these things in her heart. It doesn't say she understands right away, but she does put it in there and keeps it for later. Which is what we see throughout the gospels, isn't it? Jesus continues to speak. His followers continue to be confused until the resurrection, and then all of it begins to come together. Mary takes these things, and she stores them in her heart. And friends, there are gonna be times when the word of God or someone speaking the word of God to us is going to to bend us up a little bit. It's gonna catch us off guard. It's gonna challenge our assumptions. And the proper response is going to be to take it and store it in our hearts. Whether we understand it now or not, ponder it, think about it, take it in. Jesus is right, but what does it say he does? Did you catch it? I've read over this line a thousand times over the years, never noticed it before. Jesus is obedient to his parents and goes back home with them. Friends, when I know I'm right, a position of submission is not my go-to. What about you? Jesus is right. He knows he's right. But he doesn't keep coming at his parents. takes a position of submission. He keeps the relationship. He goes back on the journey with them. We live in a day and age where anytime we disagree with someone, it just escalates. The conversation gets more and more heated. We lose sight of who the other person is, they become the enemy. They become someone we need to defeat, someone we need to set right, 
Someone you need to put in their place. Mary stores these things in her heart. Jesus takes, takes a place of submission and continues on the journey with them for their benefit. You notice that? It's for their benefit, not his. As I continue to contemplate what to do, what do I do with this passage? What does it look like to be a son of God? What does it look like to have my religious biases challenged? What does it look like to challenge someone else's religious biases? I couldn't help but think about Colossians chapter three. Not long ago, I was reading this passage with a friend of mine who he's reading through the Bible for the very first time. I've read it over and over and over again. This is the first time he'd ever read it. We got to Colossians chapter three and he had read it that week and we got together and we were all talking about the different passages we had read and he spoke up and he said, you know what? Never read this chapter before. If I just did this for the next year, my life would be a whole lot different. Verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ in all its richness dwell in us. Let the word of Christ, let the message about Christ fill us. Let it overwhelm us. Let it get down to the deepest parts of us. Let it examine us. When was the last time, friends, that you approached the scripture that way? So often I go to the scripture and I'm hoping that it confirms what I already think. But I don't want to approach it that way. I wanna be transformed by the word of Christ, by the story of Christ. And in order to, come, to, order, in order to overcome the my side bias, we, we need to read the scripture with people who do not have the same experience as I do. I need to read the scripture with people who think about it differently than I do. I need to read the scripture with people who come from different places than I do. Otherwise, I just live in my own echo chamber, hearing the same things over and over and over again, confirming the same things over and over and over again. We're not used to doing this. We surround ourselves with people who are like us. A few years ago, I had a friend, I was just getting to know him, right? And here's what he did to try to understand who I was. He went to my Twitter page. We know what Twitter is one of these social media sites, right? And he started to look at all the people that I follow on Twitter. These are the people whose voices are being heard over and over and over again as I look at my Twitter feed. And after he looked through that, one of the first things he said to me was, yeah, I was checking out your Twitter feed. That's eclectic. 
assumed that each person that was speaking on my Twitter feed was like me. His assumption was that if I can see who you follow, I know about you. Because we follow the people who reinforce what we already think, and we unfollow the people who disagree with us. That's an easy way to live. And so he was confused by all the different voices. And I told him, I said, I, I have to surround myself with people who disagree with me. I have to. Otherwise, I'm constantly stuck in my own biases. I'm constantly stuck just reinforcing what I already think over and over and over again. And friends, we need to approach the scripture surrounding ourselves with people who might read it differently. That's harder work. Because I have to be more sure of what I believe. Be more sure that we're reading it rightly together. Let the word of Christ in all its richness dwell in us. And we need to clothe ourselves in the ways of Christ. A few days ago, I was at a funeral. There was a young man there who I saw and he had his military uniform on. The person who had died had been in the military and this young man had his military, military uniform on. And I watched him while we were there and he stood up straight and he was very intentional with his movement. I saw him later that day and he had taken the uniform off and he was a little slouched and was a little less intentional. And I was reminded that those things that we put on influence us. They change us. They impact us. You've heard the old adage, dress for success, right? Dress for the job that you want. And a lot of people will say, well, I want to be Batman, so I'll dress like Batman. But the scripture is saying, clothe yourself in the way of Christ. Put it on, try it out. I've been cheap over the years, and, and I've done a lot of running, and my knees were starting to wear out from too much basketball and too much running. And I'd always just worn shoes until they had holes in the bottoms of them. And a doctor told me, you need good shoes on a regular basis. And so I got a really nice pair of shoes instead of the cruddy shoes that I'd always gotten. In the first few runs, I realized, wow, he was right. I tried it out. And my knees felt better. I think there are times when we approach the scripture and we begin to let it dwell in us. And we are challenged by the words of Jesus we are challenged by the actions of Jesus. We are challenged by what the scripture calls us to do, but we never try it on. We think about it. We'll say, well, that's a new idea. That's fresh. Never thought about that before, but we never try it out. Here, Paul is calling us to clothe yourselves with the way of Christ. Try it on. 
see how it works. We don't want to approach the word to confirm what we already think. We're being transformed by it. So I just want us to close today with a few questions. One, what are your my side biases? There's a good chance you don't even know what they are right now. What are those things that you hold deeply that even if someone came to you with good information, you would not change your mind? What are the ways that you're traveling assuming that Jesus is with you? But he's in the Father's house about his Father's business. What are your religious biases? And who are you gonna ask to help point those out to you? you chances are good you're not gonna be able to do that on your own. You're gonna need people around you who can point those biases out to you. How will you let the word of Christ dwell in you, fill your life with all of its richness? Do you have a practice already? And finally, what way of Christ do you need to clothe yourself with? What do you need to try on? Chances are good that if you've spent any time in the scripture lately, you've come across something that God is saying, you need to try this on. This is a way of Jesus that you're not wearing yet. What are the things you need to try on? I wanna pray over you the, the words of Paul that we've heard from Colossians chapter three. So would you bow your heads and receive these words? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close your, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. 
sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father.